Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. But don't mind me, I'm just on my phone. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, sometimes everything falls together for this show literally a second before the show happens. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing sometimes how um, it's amazing that we actually get to to do a whole hour and fill an hour sometimes with my uh, continuing absent-mindedness. Welcome to Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny on a cold morning, man. It's uh, it is cold out there. There's just no way to uh, to slice that one up. It is. Uh, I, I think it was 30 degrees when I got up this morning. I'm up in Edmonds. Uh, just north of Seattle, and it was definitely, without a doubt, um, uh, you know, that that kind of brisk, um, it's not quite like <clears throat> freezing cold where you got to go light the fireplace, but it's cold where you're like, when you, you, you know, you have a little bit of advanced age, your, your bones start to get a little creaky, it takes you a couple of seconds to get things moving, uh, and it becomes much more uh, eat much easier, I should say, to pull that blanket right back over your head, which is, let me tell you something, a favorite sport of mine. Uh, I mean, I'll pull, you know, I get up, it's cold, man. You know, the blanket goes right back over the head, and I and I revert to the uh, to the eight year old playing some kind of game under the covers with, uh, you know, that it involved war or something like that. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you used to get under the covers and play combat or something like that. And it certainly all comes back when when it's cold. But, you, you know, you finally have to do get out of bed and, and, and get going. And that's why we're here, because we got out of bed and we got going. And Nathan's here, too, uh, this morning. Good morning, Nathan. How are you? Good morning, Vinny Burr. It's cold. First time taking out that ice scraper this morning for my car and still remember how to use it, thankfully, and was able to get on the road quickly. Yeah, point the sharp end toward the windshield and you should be okay. Yes. <laughs> don't don't use the rounded end too much, although I'm trying to think if I've ever seen anybody use the rounded end. I'm sure I have. I mean, I worked for I worked AAA for uh, a number of years, and when you when you drive for AAA, you wind up seeing just about everything um, that has to do with a car. And, uh, I always thought that my, you know, I've I've always had several books in my mind to write, and Adventures of a AAA Driver mm-hmm. uh, might be <laughs> <laughs> might be the one that people would want to read the most because you wouldn't believe sometimes some of the uh, the unbelievable things that happen. And this morning, which is a, a really our second cold morning, because it was pretty cold yesterday, but that second morning with that moisture's in the air and you, you, it, it feels like winter, um, people go nuts. They forget how to do everything in a car, and whatever can go wrong with the car will go wrong, which is something <laughs> that's always a little scary. Uh, you know, uh, a, a dead battery, a slow leak turns into a, a bigger leak. For whatever reason, uh, the cold weather brings out the worst in automobiles. Well, cars and, are uh, mainly electronics. Even the internal combustion engines, there's still a lot of electronics. And if an electronic is cold, it doesn't quite function as well. Right, and also you lose, um, it seems that you lose, you know, gas lines get clogged, um, different, you know, different components on cars don't work as well until they warm up, uh, you know, cars obviously are designed to work in cold weather, mm-hmm. and they're much better now than they were, you know, years ago when more of the stuff was mechanical and controlled by electronics. Um, actually, the electronics, I think, improve the car because the you know you used to get like a heater cable or defrost cable wouldn't work because it got frozen or you know the metal actually got cold and mm-hmm. froze up and you couldn't get the you know you used to pull a lever over and it would just switch the a flap inside the heater box to move the warm air up to the windshield and sometimes it would get cold enough where that thing would get jammed or stuck and it would have 
um, a little bit of grease on it in a lot of places. They mm. would put a little bit of grease on it, and that grease would get cold, and that would the viscosity of the grease would get colder, and it would be hard. It's also harder to start a car in the cold weather because the oil in the engine gets thicker. Yeah, I was about you know, to thinking about that too. Yeah, so so if you if you have uh, again, we use different weights mostly today. But if you if you have a forty weight oil in your car, um, which was common in uh, it, you know up until a few years ago, um, it makes it extreme. That that's probably a sixty weight by the time the, the temperature affects it. Mm. You know, and you get moisture in the gas tank. Uh, you know, especially that's why they tell you to fill your tank up all the way when you um, in the winter, because moisture builds up in the gas tank and turns in, and and moisture and gas are the two worst enemies you could have. Mm-hmm. So when that moisture gets into the gas tank, um, it you know it it mixes with the gas and cause sometimes it'll cause your car not to start. Sometimes it'll cause your car to uh, uh, to run badly because it messes with the fuel-air mixture in the injectors or the carburetors. It has all sorts of, of consequences. That's why, I mean, I don't think we do it as much anymore. I still do it, though, in my cars, put uh, a can of what they used to call dry gas. Now it's uh, gas treatment. Hmm. Um, STP, I think, is still the people that sell the most of it. But it's a it's a it's a, a a chemical that you would put in uh, the gasoline, a small can of it, and it would act as an agent to dry the moisture in the gasoline, so that it wouldn't, you know, so that it wouldn't moisture in the gasoline would rise up to the tanks, uh, to the to the tank and sit there and do things to your uh, fuel injection or your carburetor. And they sound like small things. I mean, a can of dry gas was, I don't know, in today's money, maybe two or three bucks, 49 cents back then. And it was nothing. Boom, you put it in while you're filling the car up. But you'd be surprised how many times you get called out on a call and it was moisture in the gas tank to where sometimes there was so much in there where you could take a a line off of a carburetor and you would see uh, the, the water dripping out of it, you know, a couple of drops of water. When you saw that much, you knew that there was, um, that there was serious condensation in the fuel lines and that you're going to have to take the car back to the shop. And, you know, so, this, so while we always think in this time of this kind of type of weather, you know, change the snow tires, put antifreeze in the, in the car. Uh, that's something to always make sure. I mean, today's cars should always have coolant in them, uh, antifreeze or coolant, because simply uh, it makes the smaller engine, it has to run at a higher speed, um, it cools it down more. The antifreeze cools your car down better than water, straight water does. So it's better to have the antifreeze. And I know some people say, well, what about the environment? I, I think they've developed antifreeze now uh, to a point where a, they're recycling the old stuff that they take out and B uh, the chemical composition is probably much different than the uh, ethylene glycol that we used back in uh, the, uh, the sixties. Anytime you see ethyl, you're seeing lead. Um, you know, if you look at the old gas pumps, uh, you'll see some of them say ethyl on the side. Um, anytime you see that, because uh, ethyl is is le- a lead comp a lead compound that goes into gasoline, which has been outlawed in so many different places. But when we were kids, uh, Bing hit the button. There we go. When we were kids, when we were younger, that's what gasoline was. It was a lot of lead, so you can imagine uh, how pleasant the air was with all of those cars spewing all of that lead into the air. Uh, but there are certain things that you need to do um, at this time of year when when it gets cold. And uh, I will always say, and I, I know I hop on this and I say this almost every show, but the main thing you got to do is check your tire pressure. 
Make sure that your tires are the correct pressure, that you check them cold uh, uh, so that you get the correct pressure in the tires. If you check them warm, the air expands, you can get a bad reading. Uh, buy yourself a little air gauge. They're not that expensive, and they're much more reliable than the thing that you're going to get on uh, the gas station. You know, when you pull into the gas station and they have that, uh, you know, the, the thing that's on uh, on the box that you have to now put 25 or 50 cents into, which I think is criminal. I mean, there should be no charge for air. Um, you know, if you own a car, you pull into a gas station uh, or a, um, a place that sells gasoline, you should get the air for free. That should that should be a state law, uh, because and I know this is, I know this sounds crazy, but how many people you know don't have four quarters to put in that machine and they're too lazy to go inside and get changed? So they say, oh, "I'll fill it up next time," and it never gets filled up, and uh, your tires suffer, your control of your car suffers, and so on and so forth. So. You know, the air in your tires, please make sure that you have the correct amount of air in there. The sticker is right on the, the door jam inside the car, so you should be able to see it pretty easily. Uh, also, make sure that you have the proper amount of antifreeze. Almost any um, auto repair shop has a, a little gauge that they can use to check your antifreeze. It's a quick two second thing and can tell you. Uh, if you need antifreeze or not, if your antifreeze uh, protects you to freezing, below freezing, again, something you don't think about a lot. But if it gets cold enough and that engine, it, you know, the similar thing happens in your engine that happens to your pipes in your house. It gets cold, the, the ice up, it expands. In your house, it breaks the pipes. In your car, can crack the engine block. It can cause the freeze-out plugs, which are these little plugs that are in your engine, in the waterways of your engine, to blow out. And to replace those is usually, even though it's a, a, a you know a fifty-cent part or a two-dollar part or something like that, three-dollar part, you have to take half the engine apart to get to them. So that's something that you you always need to pay attention to is uh, how much antifreeze. Make sure you have the right amount of antifreeze in your car. And I know I could be redundant with this kind of stuff, uh, but you, listen, keeping your car maintained, paying attention to the little things can at the very least save your money uh, because not paying attention to these things will always lead to a breakdown of some kind. And number two, very possibly save your life. If you get into a situation where you have a minivan and you're tooling down the road and all of a sudden you got to make a move, a maneuver, and you don't have the proper air in your tires and the tires react differently than they would if you um, have the proper air in your tires, uh, you know, that can that can cause you to lose control of the car, can cause you to flip the car over. I mean, it can be a, a very tragic thing, especially, again, you get these icy mornings. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much. I was, I was um, where was I yesterday? Uh, oh, I was up in uh, Cedro Woolley, and I'm driving down the street, and there's a, a hose that's just dripping water down onto the street. Now, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm betting you that that street this morning up in Cedro Woolley, which is probably 10 degrees colder than it is in Edmonds, is iced up. And some poor fool is going to come down that street, hit the brakes on that thing, and slide through it. Now, it's not a, a major patch, or it wasn't last night at least, so you probably won't get too much, uh, um, uh, you know, you won't slide too far, but it's the kind of slide that can send you into a panic. You forget how to drive the car. All of a sudden, you're sliding. You don't need that action in your life. You know, I, I mean, seriously, you don't need to have that stuff going on. If you take a few minutes just to uh, to check out 
some of the things that you need to check out. Of course, you know, I'll tell you about chains and snow tires and all that kind of stuff and studded tires and everything like that, which you need to pay attention to. And you also need to pay attention. Again, I always do this too. I mean, I keep, you know, a little shovel in the car and some emergency blankets and, uh, you know, so a, a gallon of water and some crackers or something, some kind of, of food in the car, so that if I get stuck on a mountain pass, if I get stuck in my car for four or five hours, uh, and it's not hard to imagine, you know, getting stuck up in a Snoqualmie Pass for a couple hours, or at North Bend or whatever, uh, when there's a major snowstorm, uh, that you have, you know, um, uh, emergency stuff that can take care of you. What, what is it to slap a couple of energy bars in your glove compartment? And, you know, <laughs> you know, say, Vinny, I'm, you know, I'm laughing at you now. You're telling me to go out and buy energy bars. But if, God forbid, you have a, you slide off the road or something and down into a ditch and you're waiting for uh, some kind of state patrol to come along or some kind of tow truck or something to come along and help you out, um, I'm thinking about two o'clock in the morning when you haven't seen anybody yet that be wrapped in that emergency blanket chomping on one of those Trader Joe's bars uh, is probably going to be uh, something that you'll be more thankful for in your life than just about anything else that's, uh, that you've had. So it's just suggestions just to put it in your mind to make you aware of it. You know, that's that's all I try to do on, on the show and to, because, I mean, part of the show is to educate you and to make you think, okay, uh, when I'm driving, uh, you know, do you need to be prepared? You know, you, you, do I need to be prepared? Do I need to have this in my car, that in my car, the other thing in my car, you know? Um, and, you know, to, listen, there's a line between not having enough and having too much, you know, I, I mean, I see people with, then I got chains and those boards you stick under the tires and a, a million different things that they carry in their car and it winds up weighing 30 pounds or 40 pounds and cuts down their gas mileage a little bit. But that's, I guess, the price you pay for winter, right? All right. Uh, what else is going on in the automotive world? Well, we have a, you know, it's been an interesting week. Well, it's been an interesting week anyway, that's for sure. And, um, you know, another, uh, another tragedy up in Maine, uh, a part of the country I know well. I uh, used to go up there and spend summers and even winters up in that part of Maine. And it's, uh, boy, you just think about the people up there. And the one thing you do think about besides feeling sad for what's happened is that it's a very resilient bunch of people. Um, and, and, you know, you, you just have a lot of faith that they'll get through this and that uh, while, while life will never be the same for them, uh, that they'll be able to um, help each other out to get through the, the horrific stuff that's gone on up there over the last week. So uh, just the thoughts and, and, and certainly uh, those people and the people of Maine on uh, everybody's mind this morning, you pray that they, uh, that they can recover. You also pray that, uh, you know, that people just get more of a sense of what to do uh, in this situation. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's that on that. Um, if you are addicted to the media, as is I, I probably am, that's why I do this show is because I just, you know, I can't stop watching things like YouTube and stuff like that. Um, there seems to be all of a sudden, uh, it depends on who you want to believe. And I really take anything I see on, on YouTube, including my own show, with a bit of skepticism because you just don't know who's giving it to you. Uh, you know, if you, if you see an expert that you believe in and they have a track record, that's uh, one thing. But there's also a lot of people out there have their own agendas and their own thoughts on what they're trying to accomplish in the world and are willing to post anything up there to get you to click it, uh, to get you to listen to it. And I, you know, listen, one thing I've always tried to do with our YouTube channel is put stuff up there that I believe to be true, that I've researched a little bit, and that I've, um, you know, vetted and 
I, I think there's only been one time where I've actually had to pull something down because I posted something on either a, a YouTube or a Facebook or something like that, and then found that it was a uh, it was wrong. Um, you know that it, not that it was wrong, but it wasn't exactly true. And that um, and that was my earlier days of doing this. Now I vet everything and look at everything. You have to because uh, that there's so much, there's so many people with so many agendas trying to feed you so many different lines. But there seems to be this week. There were some remarks by, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it might have been the president of Ford and the CEO of GM about electric cars, that they weren't seeing their return on the electric cars like they wanted to, uh, that uh, they've cut production in some areas, uh, not just to do with the strike, but before the strike even got going. We'll talk about the strike uh, in a minute. Uh, But, you know, that uh, pretty much say that, uh, boy, the electric car is going to die a slow death. Um, I'm here to tell you that I don't think the electric car is going to die anytime soon. Now, there may be a reticence on adapting them by people. There may be a reticence, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You drive down I-5, you drive down Fifth Avenue in the city, you drive down Mercer Street, and what do you see all over the place? Teslas. So the electric car isn't going away soon. What's happening in the electric car world is that, you know, Tesla's beating everybody's pants off. And they do it even further by dropping the price on their cars. I mean, you can get into a, a Tesla now for under sixty grand, you know, probably under fifty grand, really, uh, at least for a good used one. Uh, but there's still money lo- um, there's still money losing propositions for the major automakers because they have to they have to rush into doing this. And when you rush into doing something, you're doing things by trial and error as well as by research. And, you you know, sometimes you make mistakes. Those mistakes are costly. I read one report from, it was, uh, uh, I believe, from Forbes Auto, or one of, the, one of the major economic magazines that said that each electric vehicle costs Ford $37,000 to put out on the street. Cost them $37,000. That they're not seeing a profit on those cars, but they're making them because uh, competition dictates. And anyway, the electric car is not going to go anywhere for a while. It's not going to become something that's a fad. It's not going to become something that is... Um, is, is you know, it's going to go away, no matter how much the people who are so hell-bent on keeping internal combustion engines around as a main source of energy and power for vehicles, as much as they're hell-bent on doing it, uh, as much as people see it as a symbol of liberalism, uh, driving an electric car, uh, oh my God, you're driving that car, you must be a leftist. Um, as much as people say that and see that, the electric car is not going away because there's more and more stations, uh, charging stations coming out. People are finding it to, to be much easier to maintain. And as you work your way through, um, uh, more and more cars coming out that are more attainable for people of lower incomes. I mean, most of the cars that we see come out now are, you know, you, you have to be making some good coin to buy one, but that's going to go, that's going to change. More economical models, more uh, models that are within reach of people are going to come out. And you're going to see more uh, uh, different models of electric cars from sports cars and quick, fast cars right on down to little family haulers. 
they're coming. And um, so I, I, I'm very skeptical about the people who put up the big YouTube headlines, electric cars are dead. Uh, CEO says uh, uh, electric cars uh, for Ford are, are a losing proposition. Yes, they're a losing proposition right now. But don't think they're going to go away. It is the future of automobiles, as is the internal combustion engine. I mean, there's going to be a place for these cars, for an electric car, for an internal combustion engine car, probably some kind of hydrogen or uh, LP gas-powered car. I mean, it's going to be different strokes for different folks. That's what's going to happen, is that the electric car uh, or the, the automotive field is going to break up into different types of cars for different people that have different uses for them. So... It's something to think about. Uh, I'm sure that uh, there are people out there that are hawking uh, the idea that uh, and there are, especially if you watch YouTube. If you go on YouTube, you'll send put electric cars in. My God, you'll think that, that, that the factories are just giving them away out the back door. Oh, just take these off our hands. You know, it's like those ads that you see when you scroll down. Uh, I don't know if you go like to uh, Channel 7's website and you go down. You'll see that, uh, you, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Stellantis practically giving away minivans to seniors. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Stellantis has decided that they're going to, you know, they're so overstocked with vehicles that they're just going to give them to people. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, it, 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 just, it just doesn't work like that. So uh, be patient, and um, and I think the electric car is going to be okay. Uh, it, it, it's having a rough period right now uh, because of people who who feel that they need to, um, you know, need to for whatever reason make their way in the world by blasting on electric cars. Uh, it's sad, but it is what it is. Um, some good news for the UAW, United Auto Workers, uh, they have reached a tentative agreement with Ford, and it looks like they are barreling toward an agreement with um, Stellantis and General Motors. They're probably going to wind up getting around a 25% salary increase uh, they had wanted, what was it, 40%, I think, at the outset. But it it apparently, uh, and, you know, the interesting thing here is it must be a, a good deal because Ford employees are going to go back to work even before the agreement is ratified. So it seems like they got a, they got a good deal. The UAW got a lot of what they wanted. Uh, Ford, so far, has gotten a way to hold down some costs. Um, General Motors and Stellantis will probably follow with similar uh, agreements to Ford and GM, and we'll see American auto workers in the Midwest going back to work. And I think the, probably the people that are happiest to hear that, besides the auto workers, uh, are the uh, you know people in uh, in politics because their jobs depend on these people working. If you have a bad economy, if people are out on long strikes, it's not going to sit well with uh, the people, the same people who are striking and have to go to the voting booth. It's just not going to be uh, a pretty thing. So. It's good to see that these strikes get settled. I don't know how much it's going to add to the price of a car yet. It's hard to tell what it's going to add to uh, the price of a car, if it's even going to add to, to the price of a car. You know, again, part of the reason for this strike was that so many of the car company higher-ups are making phenomenal amounts of money. So is 
Mary Barra of GM going to take less money so that her company can keep working? Well, that's what we'll have to see where that money is going to come from. Uh, but, I mean, don't be surprised if you see your favorite model, uh, the 2024 model of your favorite model, uh, be more than in 2023. Um, it's just the way it works, is the workers are going to get more and the company's going to charge you more, cost them more to make a vehicle. And again, many of these manufacturers have to have their electric programs riding on uh, their most profitable vehicles. So they don't, they can't lose that. So once again, you, the consumer, are going to pay. And it's, and there's not really a lot of places to go right now because used cars are ridiculously high priced as well. Although the good sign on used cars is that they're having trouble selling used cars for the prices that they're asking. I mean, the mindset is still, if I'm going to pay $30,000 for a used car, why don't I just go buy a new one? Problem is, it's hard to find a $30,000 car that's a good car uh, that you can get. I mean, you know, Toyota puts a great $30,000 car out. You know, you go to a Toyota dealer and you have trouble finding a car. Uh, certainly a pickup if you want a pickup truck. Although I'm, the more Toyota dealers I pass, uh, the more full the lots look. So I'm, I'm starting to think that they're working their way out of that malaise and that they're starting to get product and that at some point in the not too distant future, we're going to start to see the numbers go down on um, on these uh, new cars as well as used cars. I don't think the market can stay what it is. We're already seeing that reflected in what the companies are paying for used cars. That number is already dropping at auction. And plus, if you call up uh, or you know get on the computer and talk to a Carvana or something like that and see what your car is worth. Part of the problem, I think, too, is that especially in, in, in uh, like uh, CarMax or the case of Carvana or those different advertising campaigns, they want you to now treat your car as a commodity. Uh, they want you to look at your car and say, well, you know, I can get more for it now than I'll ever get, so I should sell it. Or I want to watch for when the high price on my car is so I can get the most for it. Uh, people are becoming educated about their, more educated about their cars. Um, I think once you start treating things as a commodity instead of uh, an item that you own for use, uh, for your personal use, you're on that danger. Look at what's happening with housing in this country. Uh, companies, big corporations are buying up houses and turning them into rentals. And now we look at houses as commodities. And it drives the price of them up because you have speculators that go into a market and pay more than the house is worth because they see it as a long-range investment to create income. So uh, that's one of the things that uh, is now spreading to cars. Uh, there's already shows on about car flippers. Well, I found this car and I could buy it for this and blah, blah, boom. And, you know, I, I sold it for 2000 more than I paid for it. And I only put $25 into it. I didn't even wash it. Some guy, you know, it's, it's not going to stay like that. Once the supply of cars, new cars, I think get more the price on used, gets more substantial. The price on, on used cars is going to drop because again, if you're going to pay thirty thirty five thousand dollars uh, I would think that you want a warranty. One of the cool things that we saw this week was Mazda introduced uh, what I can only think is going to be their latest uh, sports car. Uh, it, it looks like, it, you know, the Japan mobility show is going full tilt boogie. Uh, that's what they've renamed the Japan auto show. You know, auto shows are kind of teetering a little bit. Um, we're already hearing that Stellantis is pulled out of uh, the L.A. auto show. 
that there are other companies that are not going to be at the L.A. Auto Show, which happens in a few weeks. Uh, Also happening in a couple of weeks is the Seattle International Auto Show. And although the Seattle International Auto Show is not um, that groundbreaking auto show that L.A. or New York or Chicago is, It's still a place that gathers people together and you can compare models side by side and look at them and drive some and talk to people who are knowledgeable about cars and ask experts about a particular car that you want to buy. And not just one that works for that company, but there are other people that are uh, around at the auto show that uh, you can talk to and say, hey, uh, what do you think about this car? And they'll give you an honest opinion. Uh, I know that there's uh, going to be at least three or four of uh, my fellow NAWAPA members, uh, including myself, hanging around at the auto show. Uh, that will be coming up uh, the 18th of November, I believe, is the day I'm going to be there. But uh, we're going to be there doing show live and uh as we as we have done for the last few years and um and stick around to answer your questions about different cars and uh what our opinions are and you'll be able to test drive cars there'll be a whole interest you know whole whole component of that you can go and look and touch and feel and sit in and without a uh, salesman hanging over your shoulder trying to push you into the car that's what I love about the auto shows. But anyway, the Japanese mobility show is going to Japan, the Tokyo Auto Show. They've renamed it. And a lot of good stuff coming out of that, especially this Mazda uh, sports car, which is absolutely beautiful. I'm going to try to get some video for it and put it up. I put a picture of it up on uh, our Facebook page. And it's uh, right now it's in a hardtop configuration. Uh, it it kind of looks like the next, uh, I mean, I'm sure they're going to keep the Miata around, the MX-5. It's such a, a hot seller for, me, uh, for Mazda. But, boy, this new, uh, uh, this new vehicle that they've uh, designed and come out with is a spectacular-looking little almost, um, almost Porsche-like-looking Right, and they showed it off in red. Really attractive car. So if you get a chance to jump on the internet and take a look at that, uh, that's something that uh, you you probably should be uh, looking for. Uh, why don't we bring Nathan back in right now? Nathan? I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was I over wanna... in Japan checking out that new Mazda. What do you think about that new Mazda? I actually pal? need to pull it up here. I was on my way to finding that picture yeah it's uh i think if you go to my if you go to my facebook page i put a uh i put a clip of it on there yeah i'm going through and not finding it yet but i'll get there eventually yeah um anyway uh that's uh yeah that that monster the whole uh auto show uh you know the mobility show that they're doing in japan is really interesting because they've rebranded it and uh, talk more about not just autos, but different type. You know, they're really big on um, not a unicycle, but it's, I don't know if you've seen the Honda thing that you kind of sit on and it just, it's got a wheel on it and it's electric and it just kind of goes. You oh, know? yeah, like the mall cops use or something like that, Segway yeah, type thing. Oh, no, 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 not the Segways. Uh, mall cops use, <clears throat> I think they predominantly use Segways, but there's other thing that I've actually written it that Honda has created that looks like a, a unicycle with a fairing on it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, th- those things are popular in Japan. I don't know. You know, here, I think people think they'll break their neck with them. Uh, but maybe they know how to drive them better in Japan than uh, they do here. But, uh, you know, you always, all the different companies show them off and you actually see them out in the street uh, when you're looking at the uh, video in Japan. So I don't know if that's going to become a a craze over here at some point, uh, but you may well be looking at uh, at that. But electric seems to be uh, nobody in Japan is saying electric uh, is no good. Uh, they're they're hiking it up for it, man. Uh, they're, they're dropping charging stations wherever they can, and uh, 
I think 99% of the cars that are at the, uh, the, the uh, automobility show there is, are actually electric cars. They're, mm. they're going full tilt boogie uh, electric. So it's, uh, it's interesting, to, uh, interesting to see. All right, uh, Nathan, is there a question that you want to ask me? There is, Vinny. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? I'm glad you asked, Nathan. I thought you never would. I bet you thought I never would ask you, right? At some point, and I look at it's <laughs> um, th- Thankfully, I found the Mazda, so I'm okay to ask a question now. I don't need to worry about that anymore. Okay, good. <laughs> so, so we're good there. This week, I am driving one of the. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Every once in a while, I get impressed by a car, and the 2024 Buick. Yes, I said Buick Invista Sport Touring is one of the most impressive cars I've driven. Um, in a long time, uh, it is uh, uh, from a looks perspective, from a driving perspective, uh, from every perspective that you could think from a comfort perspective, uh, from an ability to get on a freeway. Uh, the 2024 Buick Invista is uh, really um, a, a car that stands out uh, from other cars. Uh, it, it really does. It is. Um, uh, it kind of looks. Uh, I'm going to say this. It looks kind of like a Lexus. I think that's who they're going after, to be honest with you. Uh, but the, the the luxury inside the car, the appointments, the seats, especially, are extremely comfortable. Uh, you know, you get a big guy like me, and sometimes you got to squeeze in and out of a car and stuff, especially in these smaller cars. Uh, this thing is uh, you don't have to squeeze into it at all. The seats are comfortable. I took it on a nice, long freeway ride yesterday as I set up the Cedro Woolly and back, and it was a, a joy and a pleasure to drive. It's a, a two-wheel drive, 1.2-liter Ecotec uh, turbo engine. When a turbo kicks in, this thing starts to fly. Six-speed automatic is um, the way they go transmission-wide in this thing, and you can see uh, if you're watching this on uh, on social media, uh, an extremely wide um, entertainment center and speedometer dashboard, digital dashboard. And one thing that's really impressive, yes, this is a gasoline engine car, but the floor in the back is flat. And what that does is it gives you more room in the back seat. This thing comfortably, comfortably fits five people. Uh, and yet also has plenty of room for you to, um, you know, to load stuff in the back. It's only two seats. Uh, but again, you know, a, a sharp looking car. Interior is well done. As I said, comfortable wide seats with blue piping that look really good. Uh, it's a pleasure to slide into this interior and drive this car. Very, uh, very impressive car. As I said, it's, it stops and gets lo- people stop and look at this car and comment on it, maybe because they've not seen anything like it before, but also because it's just a really sharp looking car. It's got the floating roof thing that I like. It was introduced by Nissan so many years ago. I, I love that design cue uh, in it. And just a, a really sharp looking and practical car. And the best part about this car, as it sits, it sits under $30,000. This is the Invista Sport Touring. This is a two wheel drive, uh, but with the five year, 60,000 mile powertrain warranty, three year, 36,000 mile, gets over 30 miles per gallon. And the sticker price on this particular vehicle that I'm driving is under $30,000. $29,070 is what this vehicle will cost you uh, if you go to a Buick dealer to buy it. And I'm probably thinking that with all of the stuff that it has, the you know, the, the safety features, the uh, Distronic Cruise Control, uh, the uh, following distance indicator, which I love in these cars, the forward and rear collision alert, which is really a good thing to have in these cars, and the convenient packages and everything else, 
$29,070. I think the car is a solid buy. And uh, don't be scared off by the name Buick. Uh, you'd be making a mistake if you did. If you're in the market for this kind of vehicle, get in it and drive it and and experience it because I think that that's one of the things uh, that Buick is up against is people have this perception of Buick as um, an older people's car. But this is as youthful and spry and as classy and sharp-looking a car as you will find from any manufacturer. So it's the 2024 Invista Sport Touring. That's what I'm driving this week. You see me? Uh, it's sunrise red metallic. You can see by the color that um, you can't miss me. So if you see me driving around, stop me and ask me questions about the car. I'll be happy to answer them for you and, uh, you know, give you a look inside and show you what, uh, you know, what GM is turning out these days, which uh, in this case, and listen, uh, you know, every car has their, their cars that are, you know, push under the rug. This is not one of them. This is a sharp looking car. Uh, it's one of the few cars that I like black wheels on too. I'm not a big black wheels guy, but this particular car with those black color accents on the bottom of the car uh, really um, make this a, a very, very sharp looking car. Uh, this is a car that was born for black wheels. Can I tell you? All right. Time now for our uh, Saturday morning cartoon. I get a chance to bring in. Uh, somebody, you know, if we had more time, I'd tell you a long, crazy story about, uh, one of the singers in this group, but we're going to hear, uh, because October is slipping away from us. I thought we would, uh, uh, pay, uh, you know, get a Christopher Columbus song in here somehow anyway. And, uh, we did that, uh, with the continental drifters, which is uh, one of those bands that are made up of a lot of people from LA that, you know, even if you don't know that, you know, them. And uh, this is a song called the uh, Christopher Columbus Transcontinental Highway by the Continental Drifters. There you go, the Continental Drifters. Uh, among the members of that band, uh, Peter Holsapple from REM and his lovely ex-wife, um, who you, if you're a, an oldies fan like me, or you've been around the music uh, scene for a while, you may remember the name, Susan Cowsill from the Cowsills. Yes, that the band that the Partridge family was based on uh, are the Cowsills. That's Susan Cowsill also in there singing uh, as a member of the Continental Drifters. That's Christopher Columbus, Transcontinental Highway. It's a great road song. You know, one of those, uh, one of those songs that if you hear it, uh, on the road, you're just grooving along. It, it almost when they when they talk about Tucson in the song, when they sing about Tucson, it almost reminds me of uh, of being on Interstate 10, you know, driving in and seeing the uh, the Phelps Dodge Copper Plant on the left as you're heading into Tucson, and um, you know, so many great memories down in that town. And uh, but it gives you that feeling. A lot of people now are headed toward uh, Quartzsite, Arizona. Uh, which is where all the RVs go. We're going to endeavor to get somebody to talk to us from uh, Quartzsite and, um, you know, kind of get an idea of what is uh, what is going on down there uh, as far as RVs, which is becoming a big and bigger and bigger thing all the time. All right, I told you I would update you on the UAW strike. Uh, it is over for uh, the Ford workers. They are back at work. Uh, this is what Ford has in this tentative deal, what the Ford workers got. 25% wage boost through 2028. Top hourly wages raised from $32.32 to $40 an hour. Starting wages raised from uh, to $28 an hour, which is a 68% increase. And improvements for retirees, pensions, and the 401k plan. So they are back at work. And it's so solid uh, that Ford is back at work. Uh, it seems like the um, UAW and the automakers, uh, uh, GM and Stellantis, are headed toward a, um, a a contract agreement. Could come as early as today or tomorrow. You got two rounds of voting in this thing. If they don't get enough votes, they'll have to go back to the bargaining table. But this is a tactic the union says 
is uh, trying to put pressure on Stellantis and General Motors to uh, get back, uh, you know, get to the to the table and get this thing done. They figure by having Ford produce cars now, GM and Stellantis will be more likely to, uh, you know, to, to cut a deal. You know, it's interesting to see how the union has approached this. This has been a different strike uh, than we have seen before uh than we've ever seen before i mean it's a targeted strike and uh different places where the president walked the picket line for a while i mean it's really been an interesting uh labor thing to watch and i think has brought ford certainly and i think we'll bring these other two companies into the realization that you have to you have to keep your employees happy you know, if you're a CEO and you're making a gazillion dollars a year, you got to give your employees a taste. You got to make their lives better. Uh, the question always becomes in my mind, will America pay that? You know, there was a time when there were many people in this country that wouldn't even buy a car that wasn't made in a union shop. Uh, you know, now you have cars that aren't, that are not, union-produced cars by manufacturers that are generally set up in the South, and they, you know, they don't have um, the constraints on them, the costs on them that another automaker has. Tesla doesn't have a union. Uh, I think they've tried to organize there, but it just hasn't, uh, it hasn't stuck because I guess maybe they take care of their work is better. So, well, We'll see how it all pans out, but uh, at least the Ford people are back to work. Let's hope GM and Stellantis do the same thing. That'll wrap it up for another edition of Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Nathan and everybody else that participates in the show. We'll catch up with you next week if the Lord's will and the creek don't rise right here on 1150 AM KKNW.